0: All Sam Field wants for Christmas is to make the business deal of his life. There's just one catch. All we have to do is pretend to be your family. But it may be more than he bargained for. Touched by an angel's Roma Downey and Will & Grace's Eric McCormick. Borrowed Hearts. Tomorrow at 8, 7 Central. Welcome to another Stocking Stuffer, and this might be the oldest movie we have done for this series we've done i've done some from the 90s but this one this one is special folks as you heard from the trailer we are covering 1997's borrowed hearts for cbs this is there is so much going on in this movie it i i can't handle it Uh, I I need support, I need a partner, and my partner today, you know him, you love him, it is Elwood Jones, the one and only of, from the depths of DVD, Hell, if you're a reader or if you're a listener, from the Asian Cinema Film Club and Movies and Tea. Hello, Elwood!
1: Hello, Emily! It feels like it's been far too long.
0: It has been. And
1: now we're finally back together, reunited again.
0: Reunited over a couple of angels, wouldn't you say?
1: angels to some demons to other so we could say about this movie
0: there's so much so much now i did pick this movie uh, well I, I i gave you a choice i i threw out a couple of different mm. titles um i've decided something i did this last year and now i can't remember oh it was um with good friend keith i can't remember the name of the movie but it was this wild 90s movie with kathy ireland And I think I will absolutely make it a tradition now of every year I will have to cover something from this era. Because part of what is very interesting about this movie to me in context of of what we do here is that it is – not obviously it's not a you know cozy cardigan christmas movie the way we know him today but i feel like this is one of without these kinds of movies in the 90s and early 2000s we don't get to hallmark uh this i think is very much the framework of these movies is all here it hits a lot of the tropes uh the it, it does some things that you don't see done today In these movies, but for the most part if You you could edit this very easily Into a Hallmark movie today
1: Definitely so it's, uh, When I think of like the to Those sort of Hallmark movies I think this one very much falls into That sort of category It's got a very sort of similar setup mm-hmm. um, It's also got a worryingly similar setup To the Leslie Nielsen movie Rent a Kid Which I also oh. remember watching one Christmas
0: Nice. I, I don't know that one. Uh, it's it, it's if my crush Leslie Nielsen is in it, then I will have to check it out. But yeah, the the whole like fake a family to impress a uh, another cor- corporate person. It's, it's something we've seen also in more recent Hallmark movies, these always come up, it's the, you know, in the list of like six plots that these movies do, one of them that you'll get like seven movies of every year between Hallmark and Lifetime, is the whole, we have to pretend to be a couple in order to, whatever it is, save the town, or, you know, buy the town, whatever it might be, um, This one, before we get into the plot, of which that is a big part of it, let's talk a little bit about who's behind this movie. Now, Mm -hmm. uh, we'll start with the writers, because I think they they make a little more sense. Um, This might be the first uh, Cozy Cardigan Christmas movie I've covered for Stocking Stuffers that actually has an Oscar-winning screenwriter attached to it, or a pair of them. Uh, So were you familiar with Pamela Wallace and Earl Wallace?
1: I wasn't familiar with them, um, and I hadn't actually thought to look them up now. You mentioned who they are, because I was so blown away by who directed this. Oh, yeah. Um,
0: (laughs) I'm building up to that one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, I can see that uh, she was involved in Witness, Mm -hmm. Harrison Ford movie. Yep. uh, Which I've never seen, but uh, obviously I need to go and check it out if it's. (laughs) After this film, certainly it it is
0: very good, uh, and also we probably wouldn't have had Amish Paradise without Witness. So for a lot of reasons, it's an important movie in the canon. So uh, Pamela and Earl Wallace, they you know they worked quite a bit. They also Witness was probably what they are best known for. Um, they also wrote some segments for both of the if these were if these walls could talk movies, which were um, about abortion, and then I think about. Uh, I think the second one was about I don't think the second one was abortion I think the second one was just about um, LGBTQ but I don't quite remember But interesting careers Um, Pamela Wallace I think I think her husband died earlier. She did a lot of TV work as well. So she has a lot of different, like, Hallmark, like, early Hallmark movie credits, a uh, lot of different successful TV movies, and something called Single Santa Seeks Mrs. Claus. I don't know anything about it except for the title that it was written by her, so therefore I have to find it and probably watch it next year. Uh, but yep. that's, that's the screenplay. Now, let's talk about the director of Borrowed Hearts. Director is Ted Kotcheff. Kotcheff, Kotcheff. Yep. Uh, Kotcheff. Kotcheff. What are some other titles that he directed?
1: Ted <laughs> uh, uh, I can't even say it right myself now. Uh, Ted Kotcheff, the director of Rambo: First Blood, mm-hmm. and really excitingly for myself, he also directed the Australian New Wave movie Wake in Fright. Wait, did he? He did. I didn't 71. even realize
0: that. I was just so, so stuck on the fact that he also did Weekend at Bernie's.
1: Oh, yeah. And he also did Fun with Dick and Jane, the original version from 77.
0: Wow. I didn't even realize he did Wake and Fright. Somehow that totally, I glossed over that because I was so stuck on what it known for. Weekend at Bernie's, First Blood, Wake and Fright, The Apprenticeship of Duddy Kravitz, and though it is not listed first on his IMDb credits, Borrowed Hearts.
1: Yeah. If you've never seen Waking Fright, you are doing yourself a serious disservice because it is an amazing film which plays against every idea you have about the setup where you have this this uh, teacher who's got to stop off in this mining town and you assume that he's going to be like the Wicker Man the locals playing mm-hmm. against him. But the locals aren't. They're just a bunch of hardworking folk who like to gamble and drink. And he like looks down at them and everything that happens to him it's as a result of himself and the choices he makes. Like, you think, oh, you keep waiting for the foot to drop and these locals are going to turn on him or rip him off or, or they're going to have some plot. And it never happens. And it's just a truly phenomenal movie. It's got Donald Pleasance and Gary Bond. And, uh, yeah, it's there's so many films in, like, the hospitalization genre I love.
0: Yeah.
1: And Waking Fright is just sort of, like, just such a standout in that little genre um, it hits so many notes and it is so dusty and dirty and Donald Pleasance is on phenomenal yeah. form
0: and it it's would like make a such a great double form. feature with borrowed hearts would it not? Oh yeah, Totally the same it audience, 100%. I sit down for my CBS uh, movie of the week and I enjoy, I love Touched by an Angel, so I'm going to get some Roma Downey. Oh, and what should I follow it with? Oh, I see the director has also made this other movie that looks lovely. Why don't I give it a try? I, I do like the idea of there being crossover somehow. Uh, so, let's uh, let's set this movie up, and we're going to, although this movie does go in some directions that I found surprising, uh, it also goes exactly where you expect it to in the end. So, can you, Elwood, give us a, a synopsis, a summary, walk us through the plot of 1997's Borrowed Hearts?
1: Okay, so we've got Eric McCormick here playing a rare straight role, and also Robert still a rare straight role where he's not a villainous, like, brute. Because every time that he plays a, a straight role, he's always sort of like a worst person possible. He's like a horrible villain. So Yeah, he's been a rapist here,
0: on Law and Order SVU like more than once.
1: Yeah, he was on Dead Like Me. with the abusive boyfriend who becomes a graveling. Um, he's just lovely on Will and Grace. Horrible everywhere else. <laughs> but uh, yeah, here he plays Sam Fields. who's like a high-powered businessman who owns a um, sort of warehouse walmart's costco style store I I couldn't mean, is it tell sh- it's-
0: okay good so you don't know what that place actually does either
1: it seems like it seems from the way it looks it looks like a like a costco or a target but at the same time it's apparently also just a warehouse
0: i just thought it was a factory i thought they were making stuff
1: so but i don't know what they were making but apparently he's a, a businessman and an industrialist normally one or the other but apparently he's both, and he owns this factory, and he's also got a whole bunch of daddy issues. he So he's been, <laughs> yes, he does. been determined he's going to like be a self-made man because his father always had all these doubts in him. And he's working on this merger. Um, so he's got this uh, client coming in um, called Javier Del Campo, who's played by Hector Elizondo.
0: Hector who, Elizondo.
1: He's uh, got a wonderful accent and is charming as Sin, which is... <laughs> fitting really and he's basically been sold himself as he's like a family man and his partners like set up this horrible actor family who are just like not working out at all and at the same time you've got the single mother and her daughter uh, Zoe who for one reason or another, she charges into his life. and he Zoe is such is like, a little
0: piece of that... shit. We can just say it. Zoe <laughs> is a little shit.
1: I she's have so many notes sort of on Zoe. Pecocious... <laughs> she's a precocious child who will go, that's like my dollhouse. And that gives me apparently free reign to just dash into a stranger's yep. house. But Luckily, they're like falling into his lap. And is sort of like the remark of by his uh, best friend and uh, business partner, Dave who's like, that is a wife. <laughs> and so uh, he makes a deal where he's going to pay her a bunch of money and they're going to pretend to be his fake wife and child uh-huh. and impress his clients. And of course, the over the course of the, the number of incidences, the contract gets extended from being a weekend to basically the whole of the Christmas season. And we, basically, we as you can see from the first five minutes of this film, that they're all going to find how they connect on some wonderful deep level and bond and have a wonderful festive time.
0: Yeah. The, uh, so you have a lot of the usual setup here, as far as you have a, like, you know, a a guy who's got, got to have like his heart melted, you know, by the, the kindness of the Christmas spirit. Uh, so there's, um, Roma Downey. What is her character's name? I just kept saying touched by an angel lady, Kathleen, Kathleen, of course. Yes. Kathleen touched by an angel lady. So Yes,
1: who's introduced with the best hair and then when she gets the makeover she gets the worst hair.
0: <laughs> she does it's it's that weird like breakfast at Tiffany's updo. It's this movie is fun for the nineties of it. Mm. Um it, I mean it's about like adults, so the fashion isn't quite as nineties as it, you know, might have been if it was younger characters. But I mean Eric McCormick's hair in this movie is, is he well, something i actually love that he does he is acting that hair is giving a far better performance than the kid i'll tell you that much but a better performance than most of the people in this movie i think yeah uh there's think, also uh... the question of whether or not hector alizondo is an angel
1: oh yeah yeah which it plays him well because he's an investor so he's an angel investor oh, i didn't um... even pick
0: up on that that's good that's very good
1: So we have that, but at the same time, his character arc would indicate that he's more of a devil. He carries a cane, he's got a bit of a beard going on, and he's making the sort of deals that you would expect from, like, you know, needful things. It's sort of like a devil. He's Mm -hmm. testing the uh, morality of uh, of Sam, really. Yes.
0: You're right, it is definitely the entire time It seems like he knows right from the beginning That this Roma Downey is not actually married to Eric McCormick Uh, Like you just see the way he looks at it And the questions he asks It's like, oh no, he knows this is all a sham But you're right, he never He always makes sure that it is Eric McCormick's decision On whether to lie On whether to sell his Because that's why I think it was a factory I think it was a production company of some kind And this is another weird way this movie is so dated Is that um in the 90s the fear was moving jobs to mexico and it's obviously very different today where at least in the us all of the production woes are moved to china uh but in this case it's you know oh yeah the whole factory essentially he's selling the business and it's going to move, production will move to, oh, again, we don't know what they're producing. It's very mysterious, and now I'm thinking it had to be, like, weapons of mass destruction or something more ominous. Uh, but it is that question on if he's going to lay off his entire workforce, and Hector Elizondo is like, I'm ready to sign, are you? It's a, It's <laughs> kind of ominous. You're right. I didn't pick up on the devil aspect, but it's definitely there.
1: And also when we look at like the character tropes of people who play the embodiment of devils, it's always canes, facial hair, like long coats. These Mm -hmm. are like the traits of devil characters. If you're an angel character, you'll normally be sort of like very working class. You'll be like a cleaner or a janitor. You'll be very sort of like working class. You'll be very sort of like laid back and friendly and encourage people to see the good in people. Yeah. Yeah, you also don't make deals with people who are... True. Because so, like, if he takes a deal, then what we got? We got an angel with a company. That, I mean, what, what's, what's <laughs> that's an producing
0: weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, it,
1: it, it makes no sense. Well, obviously, you know, if it's a devil or a demon, it's sort of like then they they lean towards industry and wealth and mm. and gaining those sort of things. So it would make sense for them to want to obtain these things and to obviously. For Sam in particular to have to do something horrendous in order to get his sort of personal gain it's sort of like that morality play isn't it so like yes you can have all this millions of dollars we're going to pay you for your company but at the same time you've got to lay off your workforce Yeah. and I mean they try to make Sam seem less of an ogre with this and he's all like well I was going to go and find them all jobs I was going to give a referral I was going to give him a letter of
0: recommendation yeah uh, Which, I mean, you know. th- this is the depth you get when you bring on Oscar-winning screenwriters to write your Hallmark, but not Hallmark, Christmas movie. So why um, don't we dive into the the tropes of this? Because, it again, this is kind of before they're established, but most of them are kind of here in one way or another. So the first being our lead in need of a lesson. Now, in this, sometimes that shifts. Sometimes it is the man or the love interest who needs the lesson. Uh, But let's talk about our lead. So it's Roma Downey playing Kathleen Russell. What is your experience with Roma Downey? Were you uh, touched by the angel wings, fan, whatever they called those angel heads?
1: (laughs) No, the only one we got over here was uh, Highway to Heaven, which um, appeared like normally on Sunday afternoon in some like random block. And because like growing up, we had four channels. So you would tend to just watch a lot of stuff just because it was on. So, I've not, I can't like place her the same way that I can play, um, place Eric because we so I got yeah. the big Will and Grace fan. And still am. I think it's a show that, one well, of those shows that came back and was still just as good as when it went away. Um, but uh, no, I haven't really any sort of like, um, any sort of like ideas of who she was, although mm-hmm. I do think she was actually a good actress, even the same as uh, Eric McCormick. They're both. Yeah very good leads, especially for this sort of like standard of film.
0: Yeah, and I I agree. Really don't I expect
1: agree. You them to uh be this level of acting you expect them to be um either looking for a way back into doing better movies or just to sort of be funding in and neither of them seem to really be doing you for
0: that. So Right, yeah. No, they're they're giving real performances for this. Um Roma Downey, I i don't know that I've ever actually seen her act. She – I never watched Touched by, by an Angel, but it was on for a really long time. And it, she's one of those um, – one of those celebrities who – like, she's – I mean, she's obviously very good-looking, very beautiful. She was – when I was a kid, I was big into, like, the National Enquirer. She would always be in the, like, fashion section when they were doing, like, red carpet stuff. Okay. Like, she was, like, best-dressed woman of the year. Like, inqu- I think it was also just that the National Enquirer really liked her. Um and she's she's actually had a really interesting career in a lot of different ways. So Touch by an Angel ran for, I guess, about t- almost 10 years. And it was, I'm saying it's a huge hit. I didn't know a single person that actually watched it. But like a lot of those CBS shows here, lots of people did. Um, she got very rich off of it. She did, I think she was a producer on it as well. Um, she has had... She she does a lot of work I'll say it that way uh, She in I think it was 2007 Married Mark Burnett Who is like a mega producer on CBS He is the creator of Survivor And The Apprentice Okay right So uh, um, and it, Apparently there's a lot written about that Just because um, there, uh, there's a lot of politics That goes into all of this uh, She's very very Christian And always has been And been very public about it Um, she also seems to not be a terrible Christian in a lot of ways, which is good. Uh, like, it seems like she is, you know, one of those religious people who probably has a lot of beliefs I don't agree with, but she has not been not been as terrible about that as a lot of people of her ilk have been uh she did produce the ben-hur movie from a couple of years i don't know if you remember <laughs> that big like giant 200 million dollar ben-hur movie with all white people playing all of the parts and it bombed terribly
1: yeah i, I remember it coming out but um i don't know anyone who actually saw it same so. same
0: yes uh so you know interesting career interesting life um yeah. Definitely like has this is the right kind of thing for her just because it is very much probably her audience and this this was made for CBS which I'm pretty sure is where Touched by an Angel aired so it seems like it was very on brand I guess Um, and she's I mean she's good in this she looks great she she has like a warmth about her she's very elegant Uh, what did you think of her actual character and kind of what were there lessons her character needed to learn?
1: Uh, I'm just trying to I don't think there's lessons really for her, I mean, other than to be stop being so judgy of people. But again, I suppose Sam is also judgy, but it's kind of expected of his character because he's sort of like the rich business type. So he you get the impression that he, he's got everything very much how he likes. He has a very sort of sterile Christmas, as it's mm-hmm. pointed out. Um, he likes things his own sort of way and with her she's kind of like the feisty counter. 'Cause she's there, she's gonna stand up and question why he does the things that she wants, and at the same time her daughter who's so sucturing Oh look at that, really that daughter, tell, don't worry. <laughs> Can tell it's part of the uh the the, the genre this film uh-huh. is, but no, she's uh she's there just to be there with the overwhelming goodness that her daughter really doubles down on. Um uh-huh. But she has I think she has such good back and forth with Sam's character. Uh-huh. They have this sort of like very combative almost flirty sort of relationship right from the start the fact that uh because um jeffy has this habit of constantly reading books when they go to bed so she finds herself constantly stuck in sam's room and you have this like um, this wonderful banter between them where it's sort of like well where am i gonna sleep and it's sort of like well i guess i have to go and sleep in my closet and he makes this whole deal about that he wants his pillar but it's not that pillar it's the other pillar We've seen for like you're a high-powered businessman and you have a pillow. <laughs> it's
0: it's that yeah, it's that very like you know flirty banter that uh, these actors I think pull. I, I it feels like a little awkwardly done, I guess. Like they, they look great together, they play off each other well, but I also never understood them as a couple in some ways, just because like we don't really I don't know the way the movie is structured, it feels so much of convenience that. Um, i don't fully buy that you know they have fully fallen in love in these this week and a half of being together but they make a lot of it work and i and i think she you know she is equal in part to that uh and she like she's i guess like they're tr- at some point like a character or two calls her out on not trusting people and like the truth is she shouldn't trust people like her husband is a con artist. or her ex-husband is an actual con artist and so she's like yeah I have a hard time trusting men yeah you should you have a kid you gotta take care of that kid don't just throw that kid into crazy situations now so you know I I think it all works out for her in the end and she ends up marrying somebody who is very rich but still um, so let's move on to our bland love interest, who, I, I, credit, is not as bland as we are used to. Uh, Eric McCormick is Sam. Uh, these are usually divided into either a poor little rich boy or a widow dad, and in this case, obvi- obviously poor little rich boy. So tell me a little bit about Sam and uh, what what your take on him is
1: sam is very much the the screw character mm. of this tale. he loves his money and as i said he sort of lives this child-free existence where money buys him all the things that he wants and he gets to live in this big dollhouse of a of a mansion which is uh, where he has like cooks and he has people to do everything for him even the houses he has a designer come in and decorate it for him so he has this sort of very style Sterile environments that he's sort all of lived in, and at the same time, he feels that because he spends all this money on him, that you know, he's happy that his money has truly brought him happy. And at the same time, he has kind of like the wacky best friend Dave who sort of helps him. There's <laughs> a lot of problems with Dave, but we we'll come to him. In a yes,
0: we, we will get to him. Yes,
1: do you like 90s stereotypes, kids?
0: <laughs> do you miss 80s uh, Wall Street Bros?
1: So yeah, he is essentially a, a, that that sort of Wall Street sort of bro. He's got the hair going on. He's very much like a Brett Snellis yuppie, but he just happens to own a factory rather than working on Wall Street. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I know I'm no one's supposed to like not like his character. And I don't know if it's, I said, because it's played by Eric McCormick, um, who I obviously like as an actor that I sort of like gave him the sort of benefit of the doubt. But yeah, I thought that, yeah, he's very sort of standoffish because he doesn't, He's not used to really having people in his life. We see him introduced with uh, this sort of model type over Thanksgiving dinner, but she sort of disappears somewhere. I don't well, know. Well, no, in I, the I, or... they
0: do. They they clarify that in the very beginning. Because this movie opens with this very clear, like, kind of, I guess this is actually a montage, you didn't think about it, but it's sort of contrasting Kathleen's Thanksgiving, which is, like, messy, but it's all family and everybody's laughing, to Sam's, where it's very sterile and he's got, you know, his butler is serving the food and he's with this model. And then that scene or that kind of sequence ends with her storming out and him saying, I told you, I'd, or, I think then actually he doesn't, we don't know what happened, but then when the next scene, he's playing racquetball with Dave. And he said, I told her I don't date chicks with kids.
1: Right. Okay. And it's really funny as well, the fact that you pointed out the fact that Roma down, uh, Danny has got all these like connections to Bible projects, because when we see the opening with, uh, with the giving thanks, it's to the creator we're not You're attaching right. it to any particular religion here. Yeah, it's that's a really creator. good point. And I think it's even like mentioned as creator being a She as well, which is doubly You're right. sort of controversial.
0: That is fascinating. It's, um, yeah.
1: And I was like oh it's like I was like, oh wow, well, they're being like really inclusive
0: mm-hmm. just
1: in case, you know, people with different faiths want to watch Christmas movies and they can start it to have it. But uh there's for especially for her knowing her background there's no sort of like big religious underpinnings unless no. we, yeah. we talk about Javier and him being like the the moral um quandary here which mm. is obviously playing to that as well but yeah there's a real focus on angels rather than yeah. anything else in this one and while she's obviously the single mother she's got like the older friend or neighbor who sort of spends, who spends all this time looking after her daughter while she has to be at work um to pay the bills and uh whatnot but i think she's as a sort of character she's very interesting and i think it's sort of plays up sam sort of foibles more the fact as i said because yeah. of his life it, his life is very much laid out like a lot mm-hmm. of the plot points in this Laid out in that opening
0: sam has a uh, place to go in the movie i think with kathleen there isn't much of an arc where sam actually does have a have an arc he has a change um, yeah he's you, got you,
1: emotions to feel and, Oh yeah and, and where have, do the emotions come
0: from Well remember the whole point is that When little Zoe says did your dad Love you Because ultimately no his dad didn't love him And that's why we are where we are today With this situation But Erica McCormick's really good in this uh, This came out I guess I it, it looks like it came out the year before um, Will and Grace But then on the trailer they say um, Like starring Will and Grace as Eric McCormick So it must have been like Made probably as that was debuting I don't know if he came out um, Or if the show If Will and Grace debuted Like after this had been actually filmed Because uh, it is a different network It's CBS not NBC which is where Will and Grace was But like watching It's one of these things when you watch these movies sometimes You're like oh yeah that's a really good actor in that part Like he's really good <laughs>
1: because uh, Will, yeah because will and Grace was 98 that's not this that's is what IMDB said
0: it says that but, but the trailer says starring Eric McCormick from Will and Grace so I don't know I did, don't know. They, I,
1: did they still like add that post
0: maybe this that,
1: is like a uh, uh, d- because when i don't know when the dvd came out or when this was like shown Mm, that's true yeah
0: that you know what you might be right it could be this could have been released on probably vhs actually at that point so i guess and it makes sense that this wouldn't have been um this like if you know you get cast on a sitcom you're you might be doing a network movie but it's your own network not a different one so it must have been a they got him just before he got famous so now let's move on. Yeah. Did you have any more to say about Sam? Some of it's going to come up when we talk about Zoe. But do you have any more? Uh, I'm sure, on the we're, I'm Eric sure we're going side. to fill
1: in the blanks with uh, Sam as we go on because, as you said already, he goes. He has the biggest arc of this mm-hmm. this film, and I think this is where you really sort of benefit of having an actor of like Aaron McCoy's yeah. credibility because there's so many scenes that would have been like really stupid or overplayed, yeah. and he keeps everything very much in the, the now. You wouldn't think that he's like in a made for tv movie Um,
0: he's very natural and you're right because he has to do some pretty like you know kind of dumb like comedy and some really like i'm not gonna say really heavy but he, he has some dramatic scenes and he has them with a child actor uh where he's doing kind of probably a lot of the work and he's just really good. Like I think this was probably like eye-opening for me to see that, you know, I've always known he can, you know, he can do sitcom comedy. I've, I've never seen something and been like bowled over by him. But with this, it's one of those like, oh, I get why you became a star. Cause you, you have the talent and you have the charisma for it.
1: Definitely. And he's always been very good at playing the straight man. Like when we look at Will and yeah. Grace, he's playing... The straight guy against Jack's sort of zany energy, he sort of grounds everything, and then here it's very much the same. It's all sort of like everyone else is sort of like these zany characters, and he's sort of like the straight man who just he's uh, got that same talent that Rowan Atkinson has where he can say things and they'd be funny. Mm. Yeah. Um, a lot of his sort of like performance lies in his dialogue and how he enunciates things rather than how he's like carrying himself um although he does a pretty decent flirty game of twister so i'll give him <laughs> that
0: i forgot about the twister let's see so number three is our setting which is typically either a big bad city a charming small town or a magical winter wonderland i do we do we have any idea where they are they don't ever say it do they or did i miss it
1: it's it's weird the like the placements like where she lives seems to be in a city yep it felt like a i got a real sort of new yorky sort of vibe from it but then again everywhere to brits looks like new york <laughs> <laughs> if it's more open urban then it's chicago uh if it's like palm trees and sunshine it's la but if it's in inner city and we see snow it's like that must be new york <laughs> never mind the many other cities that like new york like philadelphia and that but we also have like where he lives which seems to be it's somewhere completely different but again it could also be new york because when you look at new york state you go like two hours outside of new york city and you're in swan lake which is like full-on like green trees and (laughs) uh rednecks and full-on jewish people as i recall from working there so
0: but and yet the like i'm trying to remember when they pass by his house it's like she has picked the kid up from school which she kind of Mm -hmm. alludes to as a bad neighborhood because she wants to move she's trying to buy a house somewhere else and that's when they pass by, like, this, you know, gigantic mansion. So it's it's never really established. Um, you know, I think the factory itself is kind of more cons- more the, the setting in some ways. So we don't get that same, like, cute small-town feel that we do in a lot of these movies. But they, they would learn over time. Now, number four is is interesting because it is our dead parents or a dead wife. Now, we have a twist on that because we, we don't necessarily have dead parents at the first level but we do have a dead beat dad there he yes that's right see what i did there uh and, and and importantly we have sam's dead dad he's dead right yes okay cuz it also could Yeah, have
1: yeah he's, he's 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 uh gone sam has no parents he's, he's, there's so many ways you can say sam's characters is like poor little rich boy poor little orphan <laughs> rich boy poor little adult he's, orphan he's kind of like bruce rain without the play suit Mm, okay he's uh he's not going out fighting crime he's just enjoying his money in his big mansion yep with his butler uh
0: and his and his other staff which we'll get to because i need to talk about his maid uh the it's one of these things that we that would change a lot and it doesn't come up often but you do have divorce in this movie which, I mean, it's the 90s, like, divorce wasn't taboo by then, but it is not something that later movies would want to include as much, because it's just, it comes out so negative. Number five, our sassy sidekick. A lot of different ways we can go with this. So tell me some, did you pick up on any, were there any that, that you thought, hmm, that, that person serves this part?
1: Um, let me see. Well, we got Kathleen's sort of, like, mother figure who I guess is kind of yep. like a sassy psychic. I believe there's a woman that she works with who's also really sassy.
0: The script seems to want to make her sassy. And it feels my, my husband like overheard that part Like when he walked in and watched it. And he's like, what, did they not tell this actress like the job she's supposed to do in this movie? Because um, it feels like she is supposed to be like the, oh, the boss is so cute. Oh, girl, you go get that. But like this actress is just kind of playing it straight and it just ends up being kind of odd.
1: It's like you never said these words in your life. Exactly, you? it's, exactly. It's but yeah, it's very sort of stereotypical, sort of like uh, '90s black best friend mm-hmm. style acting uh, that we're seeing here, and it's yeah, it. It, it's not so jarring that it sort of makes you think, oh well, that that seems very sort of stereotypical. But at the same time, you can tell this is not how this actress would normally. Yeah, it feels like it. That
0: like it feels like this script was written for a black actress to read those words um and there's nothing wrong with writing something for a person of color but when it feels like it is written just in order to have the person of color in that particular part as the you go girl type role it it ages strangely
1: yeah i think this is uh, the very sort of like 90s um style writing that we're seeing here and i think obviously like the 90s being my decade i was born in 83 so a lot of when it comes to like 90s cinema, I'm very kind of forgiving. Like a lot of people are with like 80s cinema when sure. you grow up in a decade, there's a lot of tropes and stuff. And you just like, it takes you back rather than you going, Oh, well that's really sort of jarring and offensive. Yes. You just, it's of its time. And mm-hmm. I think this is something we're sort of missing now with the current generations where they don't view things of its time. It's mm-hmm. just now either offensive or not offensive. It's all, it's like everything. It's all extremes. And, uh, I said, while well, her character just felt, it felt more jarringly written than offensive mm-hmm. as a character. So,
0: uh, did you have any um, more in the sassy sidekick part?
1: The only other one I could think of would be sort of Dave, who's uh, obviously Sam's sidekick, but I wouldn't call him sassy. He's just more comedic <laughs> relief. Yeah. Um, but then again, according to yourself, you didn't really find him that funny, so...
0: Well, I mean, I th- I, Dave, I debated on, like, is Dave a sassy sidekick or is he a villain? Like, and then it's like, no, he doesn't do anything overly... He can't... He's not effective as a villain because he doesn't have the power, but he's no. just kind of just such an asshole. Like, and again, this is where some of those things that just age badly is the you know they're talking about moving the factory to mexico and obviously javier is is mexican so like dave says a lot of things like wake up and smell the cafe con leche which like <laughs> you're like okay well you know i mean okay yeah, it's, yeah but it, like it just is one more thing that just makes him such an asshole he plays racquetball uh yeah he's
1: dave's uh, whole role in this movie is that every time it's on the screen it's the machine gun off how many stereotypes about the mexican people we can yes. we can reel in so yeah it's so like he uses like his broken spanish and yeah you make like suggestions to like mexican stereotypes and it's um javier as a sort of character though he while well, he's supposed to be like this this client that's supposed to be impressed he's so much of like a down-to-earth family man and the fact he wants to be like do all these sort of like family things when he's hanging around the family home he's not the sort of standoffish ogre that you would expect from his character oh which, no and
0: i wouldn't put him in sassy sidekick I, i'm gonna move him later down the list
1: no and um the fact that he seems almost bemused by <laughs> half the things that dave comes out with True. so true. dave is that weird character because he's not as i said he's not a villain he's the one who's trying to keep Sam on goal, mm-hmm. as in the goal True. that they've decided where to sell the company. But as say, he doesn't fall into a villainous role, there isn't really even a sure. villainous character in this, which is what's so sort of surprising. We have people who sort of like hang around the fringes of villainous, but uh, no one really commits to it.
0: I would say there is one more candidate for Sassy Sidekick, and it's really just because of the amount of, of face acting this woman does. The maid, I think her name is Annie.
1: Oh, yes, of course.
0: And Annie, like, I feel like when she got this part and she said, okay, I need to research housekeeper, American housekeeper, because this is very clearly filmed in Canada. Uh, where do I go? Where can I find a character like that? Oh, who is the most famous television housekeeper in American television history? Alice from the Brady Bunch. And she's just doing Alice. Like, every, okay. all she is doing, or just are what her face does is just constantly like, just twisting itself into weird little beats for every scene. And it's a little bit Andy Davis. So uh, I've, I have no problem with that because I enjoy a good Ann B. Davis impression. <laughs> I just did not expect to find one here. Uh, now, number six is the villain. So sometimes an evil woman, sometimes a uh, evil boss. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, there are more characters i guess of 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 bad nature than you normally get in these movies because we do have the ex-husband uh who also makes a lot of like kind of weird uh comments that today feel very racist um and there is the uh let me see is manager business manager i guess yeah i don't know what dave's job actually was um but the – there's – I was disappointed because I love a villainous woman in these movies, and I thought there was going to be the opportunity to have one. Who is – okay, in the the first – the kind of makeover montage, uh, there is a woman there dressed in a very, like, bright green-yellow suit, and she seems very strict and stiff. What is her role in this household?
1: Yeah. Who is she? She seems to be, like – um like a publicist
0: mm. for
1: sandwich would be weird because he's not like a, a celebrity, but she seems to be all about his, his image.
0: image yeah.
1: Um, but she disappears.
0: Uh, yeah. I thought she was going to be there. I was, I was into it. I liked her the fact that she was wearing heels on carpet, and I wanted to see how to do that. Because um, Zoe says to her, like, does your face hurt? Because like, I guess she's pinching her face. Um, again, Zoe's a little shit, but we'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, I was disappointed, because I thought we were going to have a kind of, you know, wild corporate woman, but she doesn't last.
1: No, and I think the only reason she's included in that start is just purely because would you trust Dave to come up with the styling of anything? Yeah,
0: that's fair. That's um, a very good point.
1: But her sort of role is really taken over by Kathleen because Kathleen sort like looks at the house and sort like, But well, this was a family home, you would have board games, yeah, and a yeah. roaring fire because nothing like a big open fire when you've got small children mm-hmm. <laughs> around. makes
0: sense, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um and she's sort of like comes to the styling and we have the making over the house montage where she's the like Guiding things and they're just wait. Where do they get these things from? Is there like a big warehouse that uh, You can wheel in props for to like Maybe that's a what his factory
0: makes His factory just makes props for fake families
1: <laughs> that's, that's, that's the uh, And it's the, a big business in Mexico is.
0: Hence why he's going to move, move it there uh, That does lead us right into the montage Because I, I, there's kind of two that I clocked um, Do you want to talk about The first one which is the kind of We're moving in montage Yeah it's uh,
1: it it's very much it, it's, it's everything of like the 80s or early 90s sort of montage is the only Take thing over. that they do really do is sort of like have like some funky sort of like electro pop sort of tune playing in the background it's, sort yeah, it's just like,
0: like instrumental and it goes on it, it, they didn't know back then that montages are supposed to be set to christmas carols that are public domain but they'd learn
1: Yes, and basically it just involves a lot of furniture being brought in, mm-hmm. um, them changing ba- basically everything, and a lot of cushions. A lot so of the cushions, cushions. The, yeah. Cushions are always important when you're changing everything, and I've also in the Screaming Reality 101's cushions imply a feminine touch. <laughs> because apparently, speaking
0: the same thing.
1: <laughs> women love cushions. <laughs> bitches love told.
0: cushions, it's what we do. Yeah, every... <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I wrote down cushions, but I didn't make the connection. But as soon as you started saying it, I'm like, you're right. That's the way movies think you establish a woman lives here. Women love pillows. No, we don't. I don't like pillows. I, I sleep with one pillow and half the time I like want to throw it away. But this, this idea that like women just, we, we love pillows. <laughs> we see a room has one pillow. Uh-uh, that's not a room for me. We need seven pillows on that room. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, I appreciate kind of how on the nose that was and how perhaps ahead of its time it was in that way as well. Uh, then we, uh, the, there's another montage very shortly after that, after like the first day has gone well. So it's what I called the day two montage. Uh, do, did you clock that one? I don't remember what no, music I, it was to.
1: Cause I, the whole montage, it felt like everyone was sort of like being sort of done over and they were sort of like wheeled out um ready yeah it was all like in one go because they as i said they change her hair because she has the sort of andy mcdowell frizzy look of the working mom which i always thought was like no that's the look you go with yep. instead she, they straighten her hair out and they give her the updo and um zoe is given the sort of like posh dress and mm-hmm. she we get more sass off her because that's apparently her character arc in this <laughs> We'll uh, and the fact that they wheel really, in like all these toys and stuff Everything's so brand new And we're yeah. led to believe that like He's going to come in and just like Not question why the fact that Everything is so new and clean And nothing's like covered in a Million stains
0: It's also so... just a weird thing to do Like hello I am making a business Deal with you yes I will spend The entire week of Christmas in Your house That's a very... oh, he's
1: a family man so he's like then why doesn't he to... have his
0: own family then why is he just kind of choosing another family to be a family man too I don't think it works that way but again rich people can do whatever they want so it is different uh, number 8 is slapstick I don't know do you think this movie had any slapstick uh,
1: verbal slapstick I guess I mean we get, oh. to, we get to see some skating antics
0: there is a lot of what I call the whoa, whoa, whoa on ice, where somebody is skating yeah, and they go, whoa, 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 and then they fall. Yep.
1: Um, and uh, that also, we get to to see Javier get to show his angel powers because uh, Kathleen's sort of like, I never fall over. And he's like, <laughs> Are you sure?
0: Sprinkle sound effect. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a weird thing. I don't understand if he's an angel or not. So there is there's there's definitely antics on ice. Um one of the first thing that, that happens, this is early on in the film, Dave, I think it's when Javier like first comes to the house and Dave like walks down the stairs and just falls down the stairs. <laughs> like it's just there. There's no reason for it. Um there's a game of twister, as you mentioned earlier. So yes, obviously twister is going to involve falling. Um and then there's like so this kid's seven and You know like uh, seven-year-olds can obviously vary wildly in terms of like how much they understand things and don't but i don't know if this is so much slapstick as it goes into the when we talk about the kid but um her uh like the scene where she just decides to like destroy his study where she has taken out his cigars and clipped all of them and then when he's like dude that costs a lot of money she picks up like a water gun and squirts it at him or not a water gun but it's like a seltzer kind of i guess like what soda stream was for rich people in the 90s uh and like squirts it out water everywhere he's got documents there like that's a shitty thing for a kid to do
1: yeah i mean she sort of takes over his office and starts messing with all his things and of course he sort of like destroys the cigars because smoking's bad for you (laughs) um and he's the sort of like those are Cuban cigars because you know he's a rich man so we've got yes, he's got to have like the fine cigars but he just keeps them in a box not hum- humidorador or like uh, any sort of like yep. proper setup for his cigars but it's um, yeah I guess it's a little bit slightly. I didn't really it didn't really sort of stand out because normally we have like that sort of like uh, dumb then this character can be like punched in the nuts or fall over true, or, true. like a klutz of a character, but there never seems to be that um, at all. We just You're sort of right, like it... have sort of like these wholesome moments of people falling over or falling into each other because that's uh that's
0: flirtation one-on-one. That, that's what creates chemistry. Yeah.
1: Um, we also have that, that scene where he like looks out over his balcony and we get to see the family moment unfolding and she's uh, making popcorn on the fire. Yes! Uh, which I think again is a very American thing. Cause we don't do that over here. We, I feel like it was
0: a big thing that was like the, in the nineties, that was a way you made popcorn. Like if you were cool, kind of like the hipster way of doing popcorn was to get like the Jiffy Pop is one of the things like that. If you've seen, you've seen Scream, the opening of Scream when she's making on the stove. Like we never did that. We had a microwave. That was, that was the way most people, (laughs) Americans do things. Now, number nine is our sage old person. And uh, I think there's kind of two, two that fit this, um, you mentioned the neighbor, uh, who is important for establishing what angels are, right? Because she explains to Zoe, when you hear music and no one's there, that's an angel.
1: Oh, and feathers.
0: And uh, yes, because
1: um, angels wear their wings on the inside when they're on <laughs> earth. And uh, it's sort of, they they really sort of lean into this whole angel thing. And it's, it's so sort of like He had feathers in his room, and it's like that's from his pillowcase. <laughs> and it's like okay.
0: Well, and that moves into Javier. Uh, who again? Like seems to have no family, even though he's a family man. Uh, you know, we've we've talked a lot about how he is this strange mythical creature. It it's such a weird decision to just not make him like an angel, but make him an angel because at the end of the movie so the movie ends or it, it almost it ends like okay everybody's happy clearly these two are in love zoe's cool with it great and then you get kind of like the camera pans over and it doesn't it to me it was like supposed to be one year later but it doesn't say one year later and it's like zoe's in like now clearly living in the the, the big house and it, like she hears a jingle or hears music and like runs to the window to see Javier's limo drive by It stops, Javier gets out of the car He like tips his hat to Zoe And then he gets back in the car and drives away And then the movie ends What the fuck was that?
1: Yeah, also, it's a town car Which is We've all seen Needful Things The devil rolls in, in a town yep, car Yep, yep, Yeah. Um, you're
0: right
1: Javier is He's an angel in the same way that Cenobites are an angel <laughs> It's like, angel to some, a demon to all because (laughs) he plays the same sort of like, bargainist sort of deals, as we mentioned already, like, everything hinges on the choices that Sam is going to make, and he is going to present these choices to him. Like, which path are you going to choose? Are you going to choose, like, the noble, honest choice, where you won't sell your company, and you won't put Uh everyone out on the street, or are you going to take the bad choice, bad choice is money, and you're going to sell your industry, and it just doesn't fit into the sort of trope. I mean, the only sort of angelic things that he could be seen as doing is the fact that he's like creating family wholeness by having them like be forced together. And this creates this sort of big brother romance between Sam and Kathleen big brother, obviously being the TV show, not the 1984 version. Um, so that's has this sort of intense things so that he creates these sort of situations, sort of like, Ah, oh, I see you're under mistletoe. So you must have <laughs> this really heated makeup scene, which makes me think that uh, Eric and Roma were actually kind of into each other because they seem to have a lot of pent-up... Uh,
0: you know, you're, you're uh, around that kid all day. You need to get it out somehow.
1: And we have that scene where they go ice skating and we have the potential uh, love interest for him and he's sort of like... He's, again, it's enough of a focian It's all sort of like, do you choose the hot blonde or the single mother, which one yep, are you going to choose. Yep. It's These choices are constantly being presented to Sam. And True. she comes over and it's sort of like, oh, you didn't want to go and check that out? And it's like, no, it's not my thing. Yeah. Not my thing. And it's like, and she's like, oh, what is your thing now? And what's he, what's he really going to say? it's all like, oh, hot single mums <laughs> is my
0: thing now. It's like. Uh, uh. Yeah, it's it's an interesting choice i will say that uh number 10 is santa claus and again we don't get santa claus but maybe we do get santa claus because i also thought i guess he's also gotten kind of to santa claus because he does again this magical angel that gets zoe what she wants right her dad like she has closure with her dad and now she lives in this giant dollhouse so life turned out well for her
1: there is actually no father christmas sort of character santa claus character in this because normally you no. have like a mole santa yeah. or something
0: no, you're right. And
1: the film like actively avoids having anything like that at all. There's not even like, in the background or anything, we have like, sort of very non-generic sort of uh, decorations but there is no sort of like Santa Claus uh, character in this. It's very much like the focus on angels here, which makes well, it weird because we're not mentioning God here. We're mentioning creator.
0: We're And I will to jump ahead in the bonus round. Number four is product placement. And I'm going to say, I think this movie was in part just a giant commercial for Touch by an Angel. Again, I've never watched Touch by an Angel. I don't know what it's actually about. I know it's about angels. I know it stars <laughs> Roma Downey. And I think this movie, because I don't know if you remember this or if this was the same in England. Angels were really big in the 90s in the U.S., There were this, like, series of jewelry. Um, I'm trying to think what the equivalent today would be. Like, it was sort of like the way, like, maybe you get your mother every year, like, a birthstone necklace or something like that. Like, there were, like, these angel pins that people would get. And you would get, like, somebody's birthstone for it. Or if somebody was a ballerina, you'd get them the angel ballerina series of pins. Like, it was a big thing. And part of it was probably the show, and the show was successful. But I think... I really do think that this movie, starring CBS's Roma Downey of Touched by an Angel, that's all about angels and not Santa Claus. Like, Santa Claus would sort of like, confuse the, the messaging, I think, if you had him here as well. So I do think, in terms of product placement, like, this movie very much is just selling... Like You like angels? Do you like angels? Because every Sunday night at 8 o'clock, you can get more angels. You can even get touched by an angel. That's my theory.
1: Yeah, the trouble is when Touched by an Angel has been forever ruined by Family Guy, where they did the uh, joke where the angel's in the stand and it's sort of like, and now we tend to touch by an angel and it's like, okay, little Jimmy, where do you touch you? And he's like, I'm a freaking angel. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep, that, that'll so. do it.
1: That is forever. <laughs> but yeah, I get obviously what you say for myself. I mean, I remember angels being more things like the early 2000s. We had things like angel cards and it was all in the spirituality section mm-hmm. yeah. of uh, Borders where I was working. So I remember them more then. I remember like birthstones and crystal healing. That was more of a thing over here in like the 90s. So I don't think angels had such a um, a foothold here. So. Interesting.
0: Yeah. And I wonder out there if, like, other people remember this or if it's specifically – I think it was very, you know, marketed very heavily to women um, and even younger – like, both younger women and probably, like, older women that uh, were the targets for these kinds of things, but – uh, we'll we'll circle back now, so we're in the bonus round. Uh, the first part is the music, which is very often public domain songs, very typically the same public domain holiday songs that are in the public domain, like Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Deck the Halls, Jingle Bells. Did these songs show up in this movie? Yes, they did.
1: I'm going to tell you what the soundtrack just felt like, so... Um, it didn't really even register. It felt like very sort of like um, generic made for TV movie, mm-hmm. movie music. I was, so I didn't even register like there was Christmas music. It was,
0: yeah. There wasn't as much as there could have been. Yeah. And then a lot of the the instrumental score in the last act when it was all the dramatic scenes, my God, that score was working hard. It was very like this, you know, this is the era of the TV movie and when people think of, like, a sappy TV movie, this is the score you think of completely. Uh, but let's see. Number two is our secret family recipe or needlessly complicated holiday cocktails. There's – I don't understand who's doing the – like, does anybody cook in this or it's always the cooks that are cooking?
1: There's – I believe there's some there's some Mexican biscuits that uh, she makes.
0: Okay. Yes, you're right. There was the um, Mexican wedding cookies.
1: Uh, that's right mm-hmm. that, uh, that she makes, and Javier also does some cooking because he makes
0: you're right. a Mexican
1: dish, yep, which of yep. course we have to have. Be too spicy for some
0: <laughs> white um, people.
1: I also love the fact that when they have these like, scenes, they're eating in like the the actual kitchen. They've got this big sort of dining room set up that they eat, but when they're having like the wholesome family moments yeah. that in the back in the kitchen. That's how and you know the kitchen, things have changed. The kitchen as well seems to be a completely different set to the rest of the house.
0: <laughs> yes, you are right. You are correct. Uh,
1: so it doesn't seem like it feels like it doesn't fit in with this house at all. It feels like um like the from the opening where we've got yep. like the crazy Thanksgiving scene. It seems like that's where they are rather than in the big mansion. Good point. um But that's, as far as I'm aware, is the only sort of cooking we have here. Everything else is done by the the chef, really, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Now, number three is the small business in danger. Now, it's a bit of a twist, right? It's a business that's getting bigger, but is going to be selling out, <laughs> and we don't know what they do or what they make. But your theories to everybody are all welcome. I, I want to know uh what we're missing I mean, boxes. there boxes no they're like i think that was just the packaging right because there's like the different obviously like a factory is doing different parts of uh, the process of manufacturing and it looked like she was over in the packaging part of it not the manufacturing part of it but we don't know what's in the box man uh number four we already said product placement it's this whole movie is a secret advertisement for touch My an angel number five we have come to the cloying child Oh, dear. So, uh, yeah. Now this actress, um, she looks she looks so familiar to me, and I I know who she. I realize exactly what I knew her from is she's in the Sweet Hereafter, which is also a Canadian movie, which is a fantastic movie, and she is not it doesn't have a, have a big part in it, but her face and her hair is is very recognizable because she's like the girl on the back of the school bus who presses her face against the school bus and waves and then dies a horrible death, and. Immediately, I made that connection. And look, um, Sarah Rosen um She, you know, she had a, a career in Canada for a while. I think she stopped acting in know in two thousand and one was her last credit. I don't know. You know, I hope she's doing well. Uh, I, I don't want to. I'm not gonna say put any of this on her as an actor. Like she was probably like nine when she did this movie. You can only be directed so much when you're nine. Um, it's more. Everything about Zoe. Zoe, 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 and I'll keep saying Zoe because the movie says her name about seven hundred and fifty times over the course of ninety minutes. Tell me what you thought about Zoe.
1: She's a precocious little soul, isn't she? Shit. (laughs) Um, Her whole thing is that when she gets in her own way, well, when she doesn't get her own way, because she gets her own way all the time, um, her go-to thing is to climb a tree, (laughs) leading her mother to go zoe don't climb that tree
0: zoe 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 yeah um it's it it, it it so yeah like the second scene of the movie um we see her like it's like her way of throwing a tantrum is to like scale like a 30 foot tree and then wouldn't you know 85 minutes into the movie this weird habit of hers comes back and i'm like is that a thing that kids do do kids like stress climb like i, I cuz like she's presented as like i don't know like just a a seven-year-old kid who's uh a little clumsy a little like a little emotional because she does have a deadbeat dad like life hasn't been easy for her but like it's this thing that she does like oh no sometimes she runs out and climbs gigantic trees and to this scene um i will i tried to like record a little bit of it i'll see if i can put it on instagram because the scene where she scales this tree where her stunt double then scales the tree is then stuck up this tree, is dangling from the tree, uh, had me laughing so hard, and I had to rewind it about four times, because I just, it, to me, was the greatest thing I have seen in a very long time.
1: Yeah, you messaged me, so, like, before we came on today, you messaged me with the, like, old captors, like, this finale, (laughs) and... It really brought to mind, as I said, this whole, as I was saying to you before we go on then, like, it brings to mind this whole theory I had while I was watching this. Because this isn't as comedic as The Good um, the good Son, which we also watched together. Like, oh, my God. I got such Good Son back. vibes
0: from this. Yeah. Yep.
1: Uh, where at the end, the big finale is that you have these two children fighting on the edge of a cliff. But because the children, it's unintentionally hysterical. Yep. Um, and that's even before we get to, like, the two children hanging off the edge of a cliff. Sophie's Choice <laughs> moments that that movie goes about.
0: God,
1: I love The with. Good Son. I just. It's another of those movies that you introduced me to, and it's a <laughs> wonderful time we had talking about that. It is such but, a wrong
0: movie. The Good Son is like, on every level, it is an inappropriate movie, and yet it's it's wonderful for all the wrong reasons. Oh my
1: god, Snark. There's so many, like, Snarkcasters out there who bash McConnell McCoulson's performance like that whole movie, but it's such a good, bad seed movie.
0: It is, it is.
1: And he is good in it. Yeah. And.
0: And all the stuff behind it of how, like, he wanted to do it as an actor, but then also, like, he starts filming it, and he's like, um, this is kind of, like, my favorite thing is the dangling off-the-cliff scene was a stunt, but it, like, involved some stuff that he was, like, kind of freaked out doing, and he's like, "I I don't think I can do it, I don't think I can do it, and the director was like, I need this kid to do this, and so Macaulay Culkin's dad was like, Macaulay, if you do this scene, I will buy you a BB gun, and that was the thing that got Macaulay-Hulkin to do that scene, which is so even better in the context of The Good Son, where, like, the sociopathic kid has a BB gun and, and does terrible things with it. So, yes. um, I, Now, I wish Zoe had a Macaulay-Hulkin in this movie. I wish Zoe was like the Elijah Wood who then met up with an evil child that, like, could make her life hell. Because this little spoiled... I, again, like, I know that she's not boy, like, she, like, the family is kind of presented as not having a lot of money, but, like, this kid is a fucking spoiled brat.
1: She is. She doesn't seem like she's lacking for anything. No. I mean, she obviously has this, this, the single mother home life, but at the same time, she's not exactly lacking. The family doesn't seem like they're lacking in funds because her mother's obviously working hard at the factory, producing the uh, WMDs. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So. It
0: pays well, surprisingly.
1: So she's, and at the same time, you also get the feeling that she's never really been told no, because yeah. everything that she's done is seen as being so charming by the people in her life. So and yeah. so you get it. I mean, I understand. Yeah, if you obviously just been raised around adults, you're an only child, then you would be have this sort of confidence speaking true, to true. adults.
0: Yes. But at the same point.
1: time, she has no filter. Yeah. So she's. And this obviously be '97, so obviously McConnell and Tom Alone's come out, and since then they're all chasing to try and find who's going to be that to like get that sort of same child star performance we saw with like For a Badge, you mentioned already, Elijah <clears throat> Wood, um, and she is nowhere near the standards of those <laughs> actors.
0: Uh, the she she has like emotional scenes later in the movie where you know she's talking about like. You know, that her dad has left and not coming back. And she asks such questions as, do you think if I wasn't so clumsy, daddy wouldn't have left? And my favorite, maybe I'm just not lovable. And of course, I'm pausing it. And I'm like, no, exactly. You're not. You're awful. but, but she does, is, of course. Of
1: um, Cassie, Aaron McCormick, because you have lines like this, where it's so like, she you think I'm a class?" And he's giving like this Oscar-winning performance. Yeah, no, no, anybody would love class. you. It's
0: okay. People fall. People drop things. Uh, that's also the big scene that does play out later, because the whole Eric McCormick opens up and says, "Like, well, my dad didn't love me because I wasn't good at baseball." Right, my dad was a sports guy, and I couldn't catch a fly ball. And one day, he took me out, and he hit fly balls all day long. And I just wanted to catch one, and I just couldn't. And I couldn't. And I hit my glove, but I still didn't catch it. That comes back at the end of the movie, because remember, she has scaled a thirty-foot tree, she is dangling from a branch, and for oh, whatever reason, yeah, you—I don't think you caught that, but that it was a—it no, no, was no, a callback, because no. then Cause Eric. Was-
1: caught up in like the finale because we need that life bond moment yes and normally in these situations as i was saying to you before like the kid would be hanging off a dam or fall into a river or meet a rabid bear or Mm -hmm. there'd be some danger that she's rescued from by sam and that creates life bond but at this point they've either run out of money the budget's not there (laughs) resources aren't there Whatever reason, but obviously Ted Kochev is like a studio guy. He's yeah. no you all you do, you give him a script, he go out and he get the job done. And what if I got got a tree? All right <laughs> go, go climb up the tree. But I didn't like think like oh him catching her because um, he has that thing. wonderful monologue about how he weren't able to catch it because the glove was too big mm-hmm. and to sort of like and when he gets the baseball glove at the end, uh it's when gifties the like, ever like and it's like and this is again just ruined by the Simpsons because I remember that uh when Homer goes to the batch party he's like little Eli give me his baseball glove <laughs> it's like it's so cliche in my mind yep. the fact he's getting a baseball,
0: baseball glove. glove well but and like I don't know, I think it would be really hard to catch a kid from 30 feet in the air, like, yeah, because we see the point of view of where she is, and she's looking down, and there's, like, it's not just, like, empty field, like, there's all this other tree branch, where, like, no, she's gonna let go, and she's gonna bounce off seven different parts of that tree, Mm. Like, But no, like she falls like right into his arms, of course Because of the nature of this movie But like, physics should not let her trust him And also, if I'm Zoe, I'm like No, I know you can't catch Your dad doesn't love you because you're really bad at this So why should I trust you now? Um, but she falls and he catches her And it's fine
1: Because it's the soothing tone of Aaron McCormack, Where he's sort of I like, knows. don't worry, Zoe, I'll catch you And it's sort of like, oh, I totally yeah. trust you, Aaron McCormack."
0: So <laughs> I have one more question On Zoe um Hmm. because i i i watched this with subtitles on just because it's easier than i catch things and i was very confused by the what is santa's reindeer's second reindeer's name do you remember this bit when they're doing the ice skating and she's like that's donner and or no she's like that's donder and the other character's like no it's donner she's like no the donner party ate each other which i guess they thought was a cute line to give to a kid um, But isn't it Donner? It's not Donner. There's no reindeer it with a...
1: it. It's on Donner, on, on Prancer, yeah. Donner. Donner!
0: Donner, like the Donner party, not Donner, like, rhyming with Ponder, right? No, no,
1: it's, it's Donner. No, it's definitely Donner. It... Because, um, like, I've seen some Club's in the movie and I've seen them do oh the God. names and stuff. Yeah, okay. so S- if you think of Rudolph the red Nose Reindeer, it's all like, on Donner, on Vixen, on... No, Trans, uh... I think there's
0: a second D in this word. So I just Googled, and as I started Googling it, it, like, auto-Googled up and said reindeer names, Donder or Donner, and it seems like...
1: Is it D- a silent D, though?
0: I don't know. The original poem, they write it differently. They write it as D-U-N-D-E-R. Um, this is, this is like, the new Berenstain Bears, apparently. Uh... Oh wow, the internet doesn't agree. So this needs more research. Um, I will I will take this to. I have a friend who's a librarian. I'm gonna make her do this for me and figure it out because I'm wildly confused now. But it it bugged me and I knew I needed to double check that. So, uh, so that's Zoe. We hate her, right? Oh yeah, just about she's, it.
1: She is awful, but she's awful in the way you kind of expect old children yeah. to be in these movies. Yeah.
0: So it's actually I, refreshing because I I didn't really get many kids yet this year. So. I kind of like when I get, like, <laughs> the full enchilada in one. Oh, yeah, she makes up for it very much. Uh, number six, finding the perfect tree. We don't have the scene of them going and getting a tree, but we do have Roma Downey giving us the important lessons on how a tree should be decorated if it's a family tree. Uh, now, do you of agree course, with that? Yes. Do you put apples on your tree?
1: Um, I don't put apples on my tree, but looking at uh at at my tree um, here, I wish I won't show you because my lounge is a mess um, it's basically like 500 decorations because the kids have to put every single yep. decoration on every single branch so there's a lot going on and we're also the sort of family where we have decorations for certain years so we've got like the cuddly coronavirus on there we've got Kevin the carrot on there we've got all these things that we've collected over the years that mark out particular years yeah. that uh,
0: we've uh, built
1: of the family so
0: yeah, we, we we can't have a tree for a while until our cats grow out of the phase of seeing something that is big and clearly dangerous and deciding mm. to climb into it and knock it down. So maybe, maybe have one, one day. I haven't
1: enjoyed the, um, the Chronicle of the Magically Shrinking Tree. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's to...
0: Yes, it's, it's so far stood now. Now it's been, you know, only got knocked down twice as far as we know. So not bad for, for three days so far. Uh, let's see, seven empty coffee cup acting did you clock any i actually don't know that i did but this is also the 90s we didn't have starbucks cups in the 90s we weren't walking around with our with our cardboard so much
1: i think there is one scene where they're drinking coffee and it's very clearly there's nothing in those okay cups.
0: okay better eyes on uh, me. but no
1: there is no like takeout coffee or anything like yeah. that not as egregious um,
0: as some other movies no, would do
1: no, we're not in the uh, franchise coffee area yet so yes
0: no no, no. We, we need time on that you're right uh eight actress trying hard not to actually eat on camera uh again like we don't really see meals like we see like the beginnings of meals but less so the actual dining and like trying to talk around putting the fork in your mouth but number nine is a big one our canadianisms or signs that the movie was not filmed wherever it was supposed to be filmed and set so again for all we know this movie is set in canada right they never actually say it's not um But did you clock any uh, Canadianisms in
1: here? Nothing really sort of stood out, but again, it's not a small town vibe that we're going for in this one. So it doesn't really get the chance to see. I mean, certainly the tree and the area surrounding the mansion seems more Canadian than anything that we see on the inner city. And (laughs) I think this is where the film sort of like gets to skirt around it because a lot of the shots are either inside the factory Or Or we're inside the mansion. We get very few shots outside. The only sort of shots we get outside is like the finale, the ice skating sequence, and the introduction Mm -hmm. sort of shots. Um, Everything else is sort of like, it could be anywhere, really. But uh, it doesn't feel overly Canadian.
0: Um, There are two things that stick out to me. Uh, One is the, there's actually a very funny scene, maybe about, what, 15 minutes into the movie, when Dave, 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 or Dan, the the fr- the business friend, Dave, Dave, has like arranged for an an actress and uh, a child actor to play play his family, and it's kind, again, it's kind of funny just because the kid's kind of a shit, and that's enjoyable to me, but the the woman playing uh, his mother or that or his wife. They're talking about like, "Hey, what's for dinner?" And she just looks like looks right at Eric McCormick and says, "Hey, my agent didn't say anything about making dinner," and it's just like the the as Canadian a a line reading as you can like jokingly summon. So that made me happy. Uh, and the other thing was just one of those. So the actress who plays um, the neighbor. Who tells us about angels Bridget, uh, Barbara Gordon is her name Not okay. Barbara Gordon of, you know, Gotham But not that we know uh, I looked at her and I'm like, she looks really familiar I'm sure I've seen her in a million things What has she been in? And the first thing that she's known for is Cube 2 And I feel like if you are if you have an actor that was in a Cube movie That is also one of those immediate signs that you are a Canadian production
1: Very true. Yeah.
0: Uh, number 10, Warm Weather Watch uh, so we're not outside often, but when we are, I don't see many gloves. Uh, it's I very wondered...
1: fake-looking snow.
0: Very fake-looking, yes. Um,
1: especially outside the, the mansion, that's where the snow snows fake. They cover it very well in the ice case in sort of sequence because apparently everything has been built on the ice. Like <laughs> the, the coffee stand. Yep. Um, there's all the it's not that they have really is like a fence that's randomly also on the ice.
0: Yeah. Is, it I, like, is that an, like what outdoor ice rinks are like? Like it's just a little space in the middle of everything that you crowdedly skate next to people on.
1: I just know the big rinks. Cause we don't really have like skating on lakes and stuff. Cause you don't get cut off. So we have like, you've the, seen the good the... sun.
0: That's why you know what can happen.
1: <laughs> yeah. I've seen the good sun. Um, so we, we just have like these pop-up rinks and it's normally you have like the rink, which is basically the same as, like, a roller rink, but it's ice. Mm, right,
0: um, right. And
1: then everything's at the side. So normally we don't build, like, the coffee shop in the middle of yeah. the rink. So. Yeah.
0: I was afraid that ice was going to melt because everybody looked like nobody was wearing gloves, or they were. They kept taking them off. Uh, they weren't wearing, like, heavy coats. I'm like, that. Ha- it's got to be pretty warm for the way they're dressed. Uh, let's see. Now, number 11, old people aggressively matchmaking. We, I mean, we kind of have, again, like, Javier is clearly sprinkling some Christmas magic to to manipulate some things. But, um, yeah, that, that's probably about the extent of it, I guess.
1: Does the, does her mother type figure, does she say something about her being picky about men or about the Debbie X? Or yeah,
0: something? well, she, in the beginning, she's kind of like... Because Zoe is very much saying how much, you know, I wish my dad was here. And because that's why at one point I didn't think they were divorced. I thought he was abusive because I think I think I can't remember if it's um, Kathleen or the neighbor who says it, who says, like, sometimes when people go away, it's a good thing. Sometimes you don't want them back. And I I'm thinking, like,
1: Kathleen, that, yeah, so. I'm like,
0: that's pretty fucking dark. Like, is the, is he going to show up? And he's like what did he do to this family but no he's just a like con artist basically he's a
1: weird certain character as well to provide yeah. the threat for the film because he's sort of like the one yep. who could like basically yeah blow derail the, the whole on thing. yeah and he's introduces this comedic sort of klutz because he's uh former pro golfer who's trying to get back on the tour and now has the sideline where he's hustling and i was so confused
0: by that scene because i think that was right around the the point where i had like stopped it and then came back to it like the next day and so i turned this movie on and it's like why am i on a golf course as wait is that eric mccormick is he playing like business golf what is going on here i got so confused
1: so and he's like turns up and the most evil thing that he does is basically try to blackmail money out of Sam, and he's then just become such an afterthought because Sam's sort of like, "Fine, I will pay you money to go away," and then he might he even like because Zoe gets really upset because she thinks that you know she's done all these good things, so her father's going to turn up and he like apparently knows where this deadbeat dad's going to be, so he well he gets the address from Bridget,
0: he does get the address right, from the lady.
1: Um, and the dad sort of like, uh, introduced himself as a plainclothes police officer to the staff of <laughs> <at> the mansion. <laughs> to, to
0: face acting maid. Yeah. To, to uh, Andy Davis. Minnie. Um,
1: what's he investigated? Nobody knows. Nobody right? asks. Right? But he, as I said, he's played so for like laughs that he's not like a fret at all. He just basically turns up to be sort of like friend to derail everything. him. Yeah. Um, but he's such an afterthought in this this film, and the fact that Zoe is sort of like, oh, my daddy's an astronaut; he's he's got this whole to spill where he is. And I was surprised that Sam sees through this, so he doesn't go like to Kathleen. It's all sort of like, oh, I heard your husband's an astronaut; that's why he went away. And then she reveals the truth. It's like he knows already that Zoe. Yeah, it's, full it of seems it.
0: very obvious. Uh, I think he also probably is looking at this kid like you're you're not smart enough for your dad to be an astronaut. Uh, bet- between if you're like if you're the product of Kathleen, who seems very intelligent, like, no, you're you got you got a lot of this from your dad. I think that's where he, his head is. Let's see. The last one, our favorite fashion moment of the movie. There There is some style going on. Again, it's very 90s uh there there's a, a few i thought things that um kathleen wears that stood out to me i love her her outfit in like the last scene is this kind of white pantsuit with a like bedazzled blazer i'm like you know not many people could pull that off Roma Downey can pull off a lot i think she's very chic uh i think she, i think she was a model too she's not overly tall but i believe she modeled in her past and i thought that outfit was very like ooh, that's a that's a good christmas outfit for a movie anything stand out to you fashion wise
1: the in the fashion wise i think javier has got all the best outfits Mm, yeah he's a very sort of like fashionable well-dressed man um sam for the period isn't overly sort of hipster if anything he's got sort of like the michael douglas hair back of that era where he was sort of like the devilish rogue, Michael Douglas. Oh yeah, I
0: mean it's basic instinct, Michael Douglas Harry, You're right? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is
1: um like my uh like you said, basic instinct, Black Rain. Mm-hmm. back when he was as say, he was devilish rogue before yep. he transitioned into his like men of power um sort of status that um, he sort of went into and I was as I said he, he there's nothing sort of like stands especially for like the nineties, there's no sort of like really sort of like bold 90s fashions at all we don't even have like the red and green for the cover oh
0: no, you're right um, we do not. the, couples,
1: the yeah. titles are in red and green but no one on the cover as thrown together as this cover is oh this um, this
0: cover is such a piece of art
1: <laughs> with the angel couple oh, uh. God.
0: yeah you have people please go and look at the the poster art for this movie because it is, you're right, it is the font, wow, I'm just looking, like, realizing it so much now. The font, so you have three names built above the credits, obviously, Roma Downey, Eric McCormick, and Hector Elizondo, and their first names are in green, their last names are in red, Borrowed is in green, Hearts is in red, two different fonts, two different fonts within Borrowed and Hearts, uh, then you have these. this big... Um, angelic overglow over roma downey and eric McCormack, and they're like cheek to cheek but staring at the camera you have little ice skater zoe uh and then a christmas tree and photoshopped in the front corner is like does does hector alessandro wear that outfit in the movie he's wearing kind of a is that a beret and like casual like it
1: seems to be the they seem to have like took it out that actually seems to be the shot from when they got ice skating, where he's watching them. Maybe because Zoe yeah. is in the ice skating outfit. Yep, yep. Um, and then we got the house, which looks like the Amityville house. It
0: does. It totally does. The, it, and that opening when she's playing, doll playing with house, that dollhouse. Oh, you you your mind went the same place, right? Amityville dollhouse, which is one of the best Amityville movies.
1: Oh. <laughs> well, it's very Land of the Giants, isn't it? Where we've got a big head, like, looking for it. Yes. As soon as I saw the dollhouses, like, anything like dolls, dollhouses, it, it makes me think yourself, because, you know, yeah. And these yeah, dollhouses are horror nonsense.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that's so one thing. Oh, yeah. One thing on this movie that is, I think, again, a sign of a little more filmmaking- prowess than you see in movies today of this ilk is that you do have some like cool shots with the dollhouse like the the final scene where like the the house itself transitions to a dollhouse and then then pulls out to her playing with the dollhouse like there's filmmaking going on here it's kind of strange to see
1: it's Dollhouse is always very sort of weird when they're in these sort of like comedic sort of dramas, and the fact that they obviously pull out to her playing with the dollhouse is this all been in her head? For the I same thought that time? too.
0: Yep, I wonder that. I is was this, like, is she? Yeah, yeah.
1: It's like um, that Jennifer Garner movie. Was it um, sixteen going on thirty or something? Thirteen going on thirty. Thirteen going on thirty, where she ultimately ends up living in her dollhouse at the end.
0: Oh. I've, I've you look at the, uh,
1: yeah, she lives. She ends up in like the Barbie Dream House at the end of the film, oh. and it's sort of like she why she's supposed to like age ahead. She never leaves these sort of like, uh... childhood uh, sort of notions behind. So she lives in like the Barbie Dream House of that yeah, world. She sounds so. really
0: dark. Interesting.
1: If you've never seen it, you it certainly didn't end the way I thought it was. But especially for one of those sort of movies where you have a of so who like go back. Uh, mm-hmm. To being like a child, or to from a child, right? Usually, they always adult. end with
0: the resolution of like, oh, we're back to normal, but it's a little better.
1: Yeah, yeah, they normally like revert back. but in That one, it doesn't. She forever remains in like in this jumped head adult state.
0: And again, I th- I think there is an argument to be made that borrowed hearts that you can be read in that same same way, because <laughs> the end of the last shot, like. It's just from Zoe's point of view, and she is playing with a dollhouse, and there's, like, a mama, a daddy, baby, and, like, she looks out the window, and there is the devil driving away in his town car, and that was apparently her needful thing, and perhaps that's where it ends, and it, we, maybe her mother died in that tree as well. We don't know. We don't know. (laughs) There's there's a lot you can read in there. So uh, tell me, um, do you recommend this movie and who would you recommend oh. it to?
1: This movie, I, I mean, I had this on while I was uh, sorting stuff out in, in the lounge. So it was good sort of background. I think if I had sat down and just like focused on this, then it would have driven me nuts. But mm-hmm, it's sort fair. of like very sort of festive viewing. It's very sort of easy to get into. And within five minutes, you will have worked out exactly all the moves this film is going to make. You know that uh, how things are going to resolve themselves, and you know pretty much how it's going to get to that point. The only thing it's sort of like frozen and sort that of like twist is obviously with the character of uh, Javier,
0: uh-huh.
1: who's sort of like frozen the uh, the thing. But I mean, it's a Christmas movie, and I think we said bef- I've said to you before is that you're very sort of like forgiving when it comes to Christmas movies. There's things you accept with a Christmas movie that you won't accept with other. Films of this sort of like standards, you're mm-hmm. more forgiving, and it's all sort of like the wholesomeness, sure. like makes your heart grow five times, and you appreciate. You just yeah, enjoy you, you don't want a movie
0: is. about Dave and about Dave saying Dave by the end of this film. Like you want it about Sam evolving. uh I, you are right about the sitting down to watch this because I did that because I have to. I have to sit there with my notes and yeah, meticulously rewind and i did find it, this was one of those movies where i you know stopped it at a certain point cuz i had to get up and get some water and when i did i was i said to myself oh shit i still have an hour left and then i kept watching uh and then decided okay i'm i'm done i'm going to finish it tomorrow i'm going to go to bed thinking i was at like you know i only had like 20 minutes left and i paused it and it was oh no you have 45 minutes left you've only watched this movie for 45 minutes so it is Like there's something about the pacing of it That feels very gummy and very slow Uh, It wasn't Like sometimes these Kind of fly by Uh, This one does not even though it's the same length As every other one of these movies But that being said The Eric McCormick's great Um, Roma Downey is doing exactly What she should be doing in this movie It for people That I think Are curious about In terms of putting this in context With these movies today It's really interesting to see How they evolved And how this was kind of an early Example of Okay we're going to make a you know We have certain talent attached to a movie We can do something We know the demographic We know we're going for women We know we're going for families of a certain age We know that people over 50 are going to love this And you can kind of see the different things working here and what falls off and how you make the same movie five years later and you don't have the Dave character and you don't have some of the kind of more risque jokes that you have in here. And it's just this interesting point in history as being something of value if you are like really looking at the history of this genre. So even though it's not directly tied to it, it it is part of the journey to get to the you know fifty thousand Hallmark movies we have every year now, and it it's interesting in that way. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, unlike something like uh, Christmas Chronicles, which I could see my it was easier to sit into. I didn't really notice the runtime of this one, um, and I think as I say, it's because I wasn't like just sort of like
0: yeah, glued to it. down
1: to uh, sort yep. of watch this, and but at the same time, it, the plotting is so light and you can just have it in the background and not really miss anything at all. And it draws your attention to the things you need to have your attention drawn to. And the filler isn't sort of like overly obvious in this one.
0: Yeah. So Uh, long as you uh, sit down and keep your entire body on the screen during the tree scene, because that is important and that is fantastic (laughs) and it will i think six years from now when i am feeling feeling down when like i have a bad day i am going to like pull this up on amazon and just get to that scene and watch it again because it made me really happy it's so stupid uh but that is borrowed hearts it is available it's streaming on at least in the states it's streaming on um freebie which is a wing of amazon that has commercials yeah although it has very few commercials i think i only had two I think I only had one commercial break actually so that's kind of a nice thing about Freebie is it's not it is less commercials than Tubi or the Roku channel or some of the other sites so it it is out there if you are curious and again I think if you have a passing curiosity about about this just give it a go because there's a lot there that I think is enjoyable in a weird way Um, but that is borrowed hearts now Elwood tell everybody what you're up to and where else they can find you
1: um you can obviously find me on my blog which is from the depths of really hell which is uh from the depths of dot hell.webpress.com you can find me on letterbox which is i would underscore jones and um, which is really the only social media i do um podcast wise we've got the Asian cinema film club which at the moment we're in the midst of celebrating kaiju christmas uh this year we're Sorry. going to be looking at uh, godzilla versus king Ghidorah, so we're into like the 90s godzilla which is uh, be really interesting to look at And my other show being Movies and Tea, where we, each season, we pick a different director to reevaluate the filmography and work through. At the moment, we're in the midst of recording our Wes Anderson season, which, when we originally started the show, was going to be season one. But then we really wanted to watch Event Horizon, so Paul de Anderson became our season one.
0: (laughs) Way more fun, in my opinion.
1: Wes Anderson's now our season (laughs) ten. So... But yeah, well, it's uh, he's a he's fun... making the same
0: exact movies he made ten years ago, so it's really d- didn't make a difference probably. <laughs> no, oh, exactly. burn! Wes Anderson, burn! I but do it's... like Fantastic Mr. Fox, though.
1: <laughs> I, there's certain films then within the Wes Anderson filmography I really do enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I like Royal Tannenbaum* *I Like Rushmore*. Um, yeah, those. those I are agreed
0: actually. Those are my two. I don't like so. *Grand
1: I mean. Budapest*, which everybody else seems to really love. And then there's movies like life aquatic which i have a connection to because of my father because my father was mm-hmm. a marine biologist and we watched that together so i have that connection to it because of him but like it's when you do look at a start in a direct filmography and work your way through it, and you identify the themes such as like paul ws anson who everyone dismisses because he did a bunch of recent evil movies but his films visually are so interesting yeah. and especially when you move away From the Resident Evil movies, and you look at things like Soldier, Event Horizon, even Mm -hmm. like Shopping. There's some really interesting um, ideas and themes within his work, and he also gave us Mortal Kombat, which is the greatest movie of all time.
0: I'm still a Street Fighter fan. That's that's. I uh, I, I pick that. I pick that battle every time. But you do you. I respect it.
1: I know, but Mortal Kombat has that wonderful Pavlovian response of if you yell Mortal Kombat, people will either might do techno music at you or give you like that knowing yeah. like thumbs up.
0: You're not wrong, but if I say for me it was Tuesday, then you also get the same reaction of people oh, that are like, "My yes, God, Raul Julia is so good in that movie." So <laughs> it's you know it, it's cool. We can still be friends. It's all good. Uh, with that being said, I think it is time for us both to. Um, scream and then scurry up trees and get saved by little boys whose dads didn't love them christmas time at last i'm gonna have a blast i'll help with setting up all the